podcast about this is a podcast where on a fortnightly basis we get together and talk about a random topic just to see if that might be what our podcast is about my name is keith ramsey and as always i am joined by matthew grace hello and peter akerley Howdy. and uh as you're tuning in you might have noticed that this is the first spooky episode of the month Ooh. October. Uh, though I guess uh, Peter might state that there was another spooky episode this year when he had to do My Little Pony. Wasn't that this year? I feel like that. Yeah, was... yeah. I I'd forgotten about it until uh, until I could have sworn it. that was a decade ago because that feels like that's how much I aged since recording that episode. <laughs> I mean, I guess technically Ghostbusters was also at the beginning of the year for my birthday episode, so that's a spooky episode. Ghostbusters isn't spooky. I mean, spooky is just the spirit of the month, Matt. Spooky is a state of mind, not a quantifiable existence, Matthew. Yeah, it I doesn't create no ghosts. It doesn't quantify as scary, Matt. Uh, it can be something is too spooky, and that's still in the spooky theme. Well, if we're allowing that, then I would argue that Shaolin Soccer was also spooky. <laughs> So to start off this spooky month, uh, anything interesting uh, do you guys have to talk about? Well, yes, actually. <clears throat> Just a little thing. I was perusing the Steam store the other day, and I came across a little game that was released on September 24th. Uh, you guys remember we did, quite a while ago now, an episode on uh, HP Lovecraft, right? Oh, yes. I think I know where you're going with this, but yeah. continue. On September 24th, there's released a free game classified as a visual novel on Steam by the name of Dagon. Oh. A faithful, I guess, recreation of H.P. Lovecraft's short story in a visual narrative. I and... mean, the, the important question here is, am I able to date Dagon in this? Uh... I don't think so, but there is a $5 DLC with extras if you want to support the developers. Now, that might have a dating sim in it, I don't know. I was going to say, Matt, because the way you delivered that phrase saying extra sounded like there was something overtly sexual going on in that DLC. <laughs> well, yeah, that sounded very intentional, Matt. It's called the Eldritch Box DLC, so I That's no a idea. fucking dating sim right there. That is 100%. <laughs> you're trying to get into that Eldritch Horrors box. That's what that is. And I don't like it. <laughs> Speak for I yourself. Back. I, I like it. But yeah, it's free. I feel like I'm I'm probably going to give it a look at some point when I have free time that I'm not devoting entirely to Tales of Arise at the moment. Fair. Sometime in the future. Man, wasting your time investing in playing new games is fucking ridiculous, Matt. Can't support that notion. I much prefer wasting my time playing a game that we've already recorded a podcast on and Played fairly well to completion, but I'm bored, so I'm going back and playing it again. Um, this isn't something like I intended to share with the podcast audience. I just wanted to make fun of you for playing a new game. Uh, yeah. 
I, are you going to tell us the name of the game? <laughs> Fuck, I, my brain just kind of stopped as I was saying that sentence, which is why it just ended in so yeah. Uh, I've been recently replaying through Fire Emblem Three Houses. That's that's what I'm doing huh. in my free time. You know what's sad to admit? What? That uh, Matt never actually played when... it, and he actually completely made up everything. No, uh, that was my experience when we were talking about it on the podcast. I bought it a week late. I'm just kidding. No, I actually did play it. No, I'm not that when we recorded the episode, I mentioned when we were doing the recording that I had made it to the final mission and I was at the beginning of the final. Like, have scenario. you never finished it? I have yet to go back and actually finish that mission. <laughs> See, the reason I went back, well, partially it's because I'm riding the bus a lot lately and the Switch is a great way to pass time on the bus not sponsored or anything it's just that was my thought process when i was killing time on the bus was i should bring my switch watch out Peter's um, sponsored by big bus that's right i'm sponsored by metro transit ride the bus and hate yourself the entire time that's their slogan um anyways yeah so i was riding the bus and i was like i should play something on my switch and then i realized that i only ever completed two of the host's routes so i'm going back to do originally i was just going to do the two i hadn't done uh, and then I realized that I might as well just do all four because it's been long enough since I played the initial two. Uh, because I only ever did the Blue Lions and the Golden Deer. I never actually went back and did either side of the Black Eagle route. And what about the DLC? Uh, the, I was talking about this uh, the other day. Fucking the Cinder, Ash, and Wolves, I think that's what they're called. Yeah. I don't dislike them, but I just didn't find that content as enjoyable as the base game so i might recruit them into my house i have no intention of actually playing through the dlc again though. Hmm. i just didn't find it as enjoyable fair i may get around to it at some point i also went back and i'm playing an older game i'm playing Velkai chronicles 4 which is pretty much the same vein as fire emblem where it's you know anime yeah, friends we- during war time we had a moment the other day where me and you were both on a Discord call together, and we realized we were both just playing anime wartime games. It's just my wartime games were set in fantasy times with swords and magic, and yours was set in tanks times. Uh, with tanks yeah, and magic. Yeah, I'm going to phrase that. Yeah, tanks. Tanks and magic. I'm not kidding. Uh, there also, is magic in that world. Yeah, and also uh, there's uh, racism uh, towards people with dark hair, which is... Uh, Bad, uh, <laughs> almost as bad as actual racism. I guess this is how I'm going to phrase this because any <laughs> other phrasing is bad. Like uh, it's just if I phrase that any other way, it's going to sound like I'm downplaying racism. So I'm not. It's both are bad. The video game racism is probably less bad than actual racism, but still not good. Uh, <laughs> can we talk about something else now that I realize I've said too much about racism at this point? Uh, so on the the spooky theme, uh, I did get. Finally, a uh, game I backed on Kickstarter a while back. Uh, it's the Stephen Rhodes games, uh, or art style games. So the ones that came in the pack were Let's Dig for Treasure, where the cover of the box is clearly just two kids digging into a bunch of graves trying to find treasure. So they're grave robbers, I guess. And you're trying to collect the most treasure cards without hitting worms or skeletons. Yeah. Nice. And then when you, you, you pretty much you can draw as many cards as you want, but once you get, I think, two worms or a skeleton, you lose all the cards you drew. So you can draw as much as you want, but you have to kind of know when to call it quits. Fair. Uh, another one is Let's Summon Demons, uh, where uh, it's a game where you're trying to summon your demon before everyone else can summon their demon, and you can summon demons like the Krampus, Chucky, and stuff like that. 
And then the one I'm most excited to play is Don't Talk to Strangers, where it's kind of like Stranger Things, where you're just trying to get your kids home and not encounter aliens. Interesting. They all are really fun looking. I haven't had a chance to play them yet because I just got it a couple days ago, but I look forward to opening those up. Hmm. That does sound pretty exciting. I like the sound of the uh, summoning demons one. <laughs> yeah, I recently backed a new game on Kickstarter. Um, it's a game about... It's, for some reason, your game reminded me of it, even though there's very little connection between them. Uh, but it's a single-player game uh, played entirely with a deck about climbing a mountain and suffering through the perils of mountain climbing, like cold weather and yetis and maybe other things. I didn't... They, like, they were kind of vague about what kind of perils you could run into, uh, hey, but it seems I, like a really I fascinating don't, game. This seems very wrong, because I know, I'm an expert on this, yetis only come to you when you're going down the mountain on skis. Then, I don't know. Uh, as I said, they were vague. Yetis was something I just kind of assumed. You're right, it probably won't be yetis because of the fact that you're ascending the mountain and not descending on skis, so who knows what kind of threats and dangers I'll run into. It's true. I'll find out in uh, however many months it takes for that game to be printed and sent to me. Yeah, uh, it's got kind of the same deal with me right now with the Resident Evil uh, 1 board game getting announced. It's going live on October 26th, so I'll probably end up talking about that more once it actually goes live, but they already revealed a few things where apparently the Resident Evil 1 board game is going to play more like Betrayal, where instead of having scenarios or uh, kind of like a HUD map, you're exploring a randomly generated mansion. Uh yeah, we talked about this a little bit the other day. That actually sounds super fucking interesting to me. Because I really enjoy betrayal. Even if it doesn't have the betrayal mechanic where you're betraying your friends, just the idea of a randomly generated uh, mansion that changes how you have to play based on what rooms you're discovering in what order is still super exciting to me. Yeah, it looks like they're still going to do the C deck, and the starting area is always going to be the same. So, you know, the hall with the dining area on one side and all that. And what's going to end up happening, from the look of it, is uh, kind of like how uh, Mad Jackal mode works in Resident Evil 3. You draw cards from a deck that have room build-outs, and you attach them based on that. And there's going to be the C deck where you gather key items that you can use to unlock doors that let you move further through these draw cards. How far nice. that's going to go, especially with the multiple levels of the mansion, are they expecting you to have all the tiles up at once, and how many fucking tiles are going to come with if that's the case? Yeah. So overall, I'm very curious to see how that's going to play out, but more information on October 26th. Should be exciting. I'm looking forward to it. I've really enjoyed... Well, I've only played the one Resident Evil game so far. Uh, not game. Board game, specifically. Uh, I've only played the one, but I've enjoyed it, and I like what I see from the other one that I've seen, so I'm looking forward to what they pull off with Resident Evil 1, because that should also be quite uh, interesting. Indeed. And I actually only have one last thing to talk about today, and uh, you guys might have seen this, but Nintendo did another Treehouse. I don't know if you are yes. direct. And uh, the most wild goddamn thing about this was the fact that apparently Bluetooth has always been on the Switch. It's just that it never turned on. Sorry. What? Yeah, uh, apparently all Nintendo Switches already had the function for Bluetooth connection. Just they yeah. never turned them on. But a software update is going to be coming and it's going to turn it on. Huh. You mean it wasn't on? No, apparently they all always had the Bluetooth connectivity set up for audio and all that stuff, but it's just never been a function that you can access. 
Weird. So they're going to be doing a system update coming that's going to enable it for everybody. Huh. Because I knew it was there, just... I never really bothered trying to use it. The wild part is that it's always been there. Like, it, it's not a function that's been on. Yeah. Huh. So the fact that it's always been there, and it's just... Why, why would they just not turn that on? Yeah. It's a little odd. But yeah, the... it, sounds, it sounds good. <laughs> uh, I'm also slightly horrified. Not that, like, Nintendo has a reputation for fucking shit up or anything, but I am slightly horrified that they enable enable Bluetooth on all Switches simultaneously, and immediately your Switch just fucking is inundated with other people's penises or some shit. I don't know. It just immediately allowing a connection that was not previously there could have negative consequences. I don't think that's how that works. I don't know, man. I don't understand technology, if I'm being honest with you. It's a lot of dicks, from what I understand. Probably true. If you're a cyborg, maybe. Matt, are you a cyborg? No. Then that makes one of us. And then, uh, yeah, that whole Nintendo Direct was more so just talking about the games that are coming out over the winter period, so we got some stuff on Bayonetta 3. And then they also had a small section where just like, hey, that last Smash character's coming out, and there's going to be a Direct about it with Sakurai on October 5th. You know, for anyone who wasn't already keeping track of upcoming Nintendo Directs with regards to Smash characters. Also some DLC for Age of Calamity, Hyrule Warriors. Ooh. With, um... Robbie and Pura was her was her name. The two researchers are now playable characters in the DLC. Uh, Pura, yeah, I think that's uh, what it was. That'll be neat. I haven't. That's another game that I have not played since we recorded our episode on it. So I am curious to go back and actually play again. Who knows? Maybe once I finish my Three Emblems playthroughs, if I'm still riding the bus, I'll replay that game. I wonder what entirely they're going to be adding in the DLC. It's like, they didn't really show much aside from uh, like more missions and the new characters. Maybe that's all they're adding. More missions and the new characters. Is that not enough for you, Matthew? Oh, just, uh, I wonder, like, what kind of story is going to be included in those missions? It looked like they were going to expand on the story that was already in the game, somehow. It just got me a little bit curious. Uh, contrary to my earlier statement, uh, I just want to come out and say that there's nothing wrong with curiosity. And that's a perfectly normal human reaction to potentially new information. But also, Matt, just accept that sometimes things aren't going to live up to your expectations, and you just oh, have I know. to I know. accept that. Well, Man, this of... is already a really dark opening <laughs> for a fucking podcast. I was going to say, on the topic of uh, meeting expectations, uh, we watched uh, Nightmare on Elm Street 3 Dream Warriors. Yep, we did. <laughs> Now, <laughs> <laughs> fuck this episode's gonna be a rough one. I can already tell. 
not because of anything that we're talking about, just from me having a mental breakdown is what's going to happen. I mean, uh, I am very excited about this because this is probably my one of my favorite Nightmare on Elm Street movies. Uh, now, I do have to ask right at the top. Matt, you watched this. What did you think? Yes. Um, n- not really spooky. Yeah, Nightmare on Elm Street has never not, not really, really been creepy. It's never There's been scary. There's only one disturbing scene in the whole movie. Is it the puppet man? It is the flesh marionette. Yeah, the puppet man. Yeah, that was a little bit upsetting. No. Uh, I also wasn't a f- fan of the scene where Freddy kills the one girl with heroin. Uh, that was yeah, that, that was a unpleasant. Little, little gross. <laughs> but other than that, yeah, the movie as a whole is perfectly fine. Uh, now, a very uh, underwhelming scene. Now, as we like to do with uh, our older movies here, Matt, I'm going to need you to give me a rundown on what happened. So... Hmm. What's the best way to put this? Poorly. Okay. Hopefully. A bunch of kids are haunted by the ghost of a dead guy their parents killed. Uh, That's pretty much close enough. Yeah, that's pretty much it. Yep. And the ghost kills them in their dreams. (laughs) Well, I I feel like I need to bring up one thing first. Uh, Freddy is not a ghost. He's the true. He's evil, demonic shit. The the best way to describe it is he's a dream demon. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, So, Matt, how familiar are you with the Nightmare on Elm Street series? Uh, this movie. Only this. That's movie. it. Okay. Only this movie. Uh, so really, with the first Friday, uh, I was going to say Friday Thirteenth, because like those two franchises are like so important, like together. But uh, uh, Nightmare on Elm Street, the first one does try to go into the horror tropes. But the thing to remember is this is done by Wes Craven, who really kind kind of likes to fuck with the concepts of things and make it his own. Which I think is very apparent with this movie very much, too, because he addresses a lot of tropes that he established with the first movie. And this kind of says, yeah, none of that. Uh, But the first movie does kind of go more down the scary route. But because of uh, Robert Englund, uh, the guy who plays Freddy Krueger, being such a charismatic bastard in his own right, he kind of turned Freddy Krueger into its own thing, even kind of different from what Wes Craven had in mind. And it just became more of the movies are about Freddy Krueger and how charming he is and not so much about the kids surviving. Yeah. Uh, like to the point, one of the quintessential, uh, not uh, ideas, but like one of the reoccurring themes in the first movie uh, is how much Freddy fucking calls people bitch. And like the fucking oomph that he puts into that word to the point where other series have parodied the idea of a dream demon calling people bitch, and people assume they're making fun of fucking uh... I wanted to call it Friday the 13th as well. Nightmare on Elm Street, but it's entirely just them acknowledging the fact that he already said it a bunch himself. You're not, like, doing a parody of something by just doing exactly what they did. That's not how it works, so the classic example, or not the classic example, but the one that will come to most people's mind is, uh, the Rick and Morty episode where they do an inception and they run into the testicle faced dream demon. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he refers to them as bitch. And they like kind of make fun of him calling them bitch so much. It's just like, that's 
not them adding the bitches there. That's already a thing that existed in the fucking original series. Yeah, they're just paying homage to Elm Street. Yeah. yeah. And that's the thing, like, Nightmare on Elm Street, Friday the 13th, and Halloween, like, they're all from, like, this 80s era horror slasher that, like, they kind of define the whole genre in itself. And all the tropes that people love and make fun of probably came from these three. Yeah. Hmm. The only difference is Freddy had a lot more staying power compared to the other. That, nope. To be fair, Jason did have a lot more movies, but I feel like Freddy's ones are a lot more memorable, and that's because he was, as a villain, able to have a bigger personality than everything else. Well, yeah, because yeah, like, one of the key details. One of the key details is maybe with the exception of a few minor scenes that I'm forgetting fucking Jason and Michael Myers don't really talk in their movies, so they're just a nameless, faceless fucking killer because they both wear masks, so you don't really get an idea of who the antagonist is, whereas this one fully lets you in on who Freddy is to the point where we learn his entire origin story in this movie, uh, which was another unpleasant scene that we didn't talk about, but whatever. (laughs) Um, Yeah, so like you actually get a chance to understand the villain a bit, not like in there trying to empathize with the villain, but he has more of a personality, so there's a little bit more to come to terms with there. Also, I feel like out of all like monster villains, this would be Matt's favorite character because he also likes to use pun and turn a phrase to give a bit of irony to his kills. Yep. Yeah. Uh, so the plot of this movie sp- particular, which is Dream Demons, or Dream Demons, <laughs> Dream, Dream Warriors, Warriors. <laughs> is... Uh, a bunch of kids are committed to a mental asylum for having a shared hallucination. Uh, well, they're, they're committed to the mental asylum because uh, they all, quote-unquote, tried to kill themselves. Yeah. And they all just ex- seem to be having the same kind of dream. Yeah. I don't know that it's explicitly said that they all uh, attempted to kill themselves, but they are uh, all expressing self-destructive behavior and like some of them are cutting or burning themselves so it's not necessarily mm-hmm. that they all tried to kill themselves but they're all in a bad state is why yeah. they're introduced and then it's revealed that they have a shared hallucination that they're all participating in yeah i think the only one we actually get information that they tried to kill himself was uh the wizard master boy yeah because he yeah. jumped off a building and he's been in a wheelchair ever since yeah uh, but we find out that they all have the same shared hallucination of Freddy Krueger. They don't know who it is at this point. And we kind of get an opening with the character of Kristen, who is uh, doing paper mache or some sort of craft project. Yeah. She is recreating the host from the first two movies. And at first, they tr- they I like how the movie started off trying to go creepy, like, oh, it's all black and white with eerie music. Are they mixing like fake blood to do a fake horror movie kind of thing in a movie type thing? And then all of a sudden, just flip on the loud music, drink energy drinks. Well, she's specific. She takes a spoonful she doesn't of instant drink coffee. coffee. Yeah, she puts a spoonful of instant coffee into her mouth and then drinks a diet yeah. soda to get the fucking caffeine rush from both. Which, honestly, I- I'm kind of intrigued. I might want to try this. I have have made the joke about, like, percolating coffee with energy drink before, and I kind of want to see. Nothing good can come of this. 
Uh, foreshadowing anyway, the fact that this podcast is going to be a two-man show in the future when Keith inevitably dies of a heart attack. But yeah. Anyway, this scene introduces the fact that this character in particular, maybe potentially other characters, are doing everything they can to stay awake for whatever reason. Yeah. Yeah, her dreams haven't even fully manifested at this point. Like, she knows she has nightmares, but she's never realized how dark they get. Um, Nothing's ever. She just doesn't. She just doesn't want to sleep. Uh, whereas the others seem to be a little bit more aware of what's going on in their dreams. Oh, uh, but yeah, you see her first encounter with Freddy. Yeah, where she's like got to save this child, and then she she's very clearly like just running around with this like really limp doll for most yep. of the scene. Yeah. And then, of course, like the big twist, like, oh, it was dead the whole time. Of course, it's also in a dream, but she ends up getting out. Freddie misses her. Uh, and this kind of starts with her having like her freakouts and all that. Yep. Uh, where she ends up later waking up and like cutting herself. Uh, kind of. Yeah, when you she... phrase it that way, you make it sound like she woke up and cut herself intentionally, whereas it's. More so while she's still in a dream, she seems to sleepwalk to the bathroom and then through Freddy's manipulation, cut herself. Yeah, because yeah. uh, she wakes up from the dream, the nightmare of the haunted house or the creepy house, and then she thinks she's awake and goes to the washroom, but she's still in a dream. Yeah, and that's the thing with Freddy. Like, it's very much the rules of if you die in the dream, you die for real. Yeah, that and, classic meme we all like to make, except this time it's for dreams. Yeah. Uh, but with this one... Uh, the franchise obviously had to kind of step it up a notch, obviously, to compete with the first and second one. So this one, they decided all of the teenage kids that are the children of the Elm Street parents, they have superpowers in their dreams now. Specific superpowers. This isn't like, oh, I'm controlling my dream. You have dream powers. Yeah. Uh, and they're all unique to the different people. Like, one person uh, is the wizard master and can do magic and also can walk because normally he can't walk. Another person's power is that they have super strength. And then we have a uh, girl who is beautiful in her dreams, in her own phrasing. And but bad. Just, knives. Uh, but really just means she has a mohawk and, yeah, wears leather and carries knives. And then the character that we open the movie on, Kristen, uh, she can flip. She's, she's oh, acrobat. don't forget the best dream power, which is Buddy who can talk in his dreams. Oh, yeah. <laughs> He's mute for the entire movie until he shouts and breaks mirrors. Uh, also, you are forgetting about Kristen's other power, which is she can pull people into her dreams. Oh, yeah. yeah. Which is the biggest fuck you when you're the character in a horror movie that has, like, a dream deeming chasing after you. Yep. Yeah. I do like the idea, because she says uh, it happened a lot when she was a kid. Uh, and she would pull her dad into the dreams to protect her. Uh, and that always kind of helped with the dreams. And as we learned, uh, the reason these kids specifically are targeted is because their parents uh, took part in the murdering and burning of uh, Freddy Krueger when he was alive. Which means that Freddy Krueger is hunting this kid in her dreams. She pulls her father in and her father is just like fucking winds up. He's like, I'll fucking kill you again. Freddy's like, all right, cool, cool. I'll fucking stop. Let's just... Everybody wake up. We're done for now. I just clearly Freddy was afraid of the father still. I was going to say like uh, that does sound like a good theory if it wasn't for the fact that when the man who actually physically did kill him like did the killing blow shows up in this movie Freddy has no problem kicking the shit out of him as a skeleton. Yeah, yep. absolutely. But that's because they're not in a dream. Freddy is clearly afraid of the people in a dream but in the real world he's perfectly willing to throw down with people. 
to clarify, this is also the movie where he gains enough power that he can throw down in the real world, not just in dreams. Yeah, there's a few interesting things we learn about Freddy in this one. Well, first off, uh, just so Matt's aware, Freddy has a specific goal of just killing the children of the Elm Street parents. So he only goes after teenagers that are from that section, essentially. Yeah, so yeah, because he was... Sorry, he was specifically a child murderer when he was alive. So he's got no interest in murdering adults. He just wants to murder child. Now, he does murder some adults, as in, obviously, uh, the father in this one of Nancy. He kills... You know, I'm not even going to try to explain how the skeleton thing works. It just... It's there. Yeah, it's just a thing. Yeah. No. It just made no sense. (laughs) None. But I think a big thing to mention about Freddy uh, in this whole situation is I can't think of any child, like Elm Street child, who actually lived through the franchise. I'm pretty sure Freddy kills all of them. Yeah. I think he does actually uh, manage to kill them all. Yeah, even the ones that survive. Movies that happen after this one also. Oh, yeah, all the surviving characters from this one die immediately in the beginning of the next movie. Well, except for Kristen, who lives a little bit, but she dies near the end of the movie, kind of like Nancy does. Okay. Because Nancy's the last girl, well, the final girl from the first movie. Yeah. Say what you will about Freddy, he gets shit done. Yeah, as the movie progresses, it's, uh, there's a lot of things where they end up doing the trope callouts as well, which I found very funny because they have the group psychology sessions. This is when Nancy shows up, and they're just all talking together. And then there's the one nurse who's very adamant about the fact that it's a repressed like sin of like you know drugs, uh, yeah, and music, and sex. Also, yeah. like, oh, that's just the horror tropes. If you do any of that stuff, you die. Yeah, uh, I mean, like she's not wrong because she lives in a universe where doing that stuff will absolutely get you killed. Uh, but that's not what's causing them to have these fucking mental issues. Yeah. And my entire time after it was revealed that uh, Kristen had the power to pull people into her dreams, the only thing I could think from there on was, well, that one woman at the Institute who doesn't believe them and just wants to sedate them, just pull her into a dream. Be like, <laughs> yeah, this is happening. I mean, that's pretty much what she did, except instead of pulling that woman in, she pulled the male doctor who didn't want to believe them. Like, they yeah. got him a little bit on board, and he was like, I mean, I'm willing to stretch, but I, you're going to have to face the truth eventually. And she's like, face the truth? What about, ha! And then she pulls him into a dream. Yeah. Uh, face the truth? How about face the dream? How about face Freddy, bitch? Uh, and that's how that works out. I feel like that's what uh, he would say. To be fair, I feel like even if they pulled the old woman into the uh, dream, just because of how much of a trope it is, she would be complaining about how these kids believe in something that's not real in front of Freddy and allowing Freddy to kill her just to prove that he can't actually harm them because they're all being ridiculous. Yeah, and going by the logic that they made in this movie, since they can do anything that they can dream, since she believes that it's all fake in the dream, nothing would happen to her. (laughs) <laughs> but what if that's her dream her power... Dream, that's her dream power. <laughs> yeah, her dream power is it's a, just a dream. <laughs> yeah, her dream power is Freddy doesn't interfere because it's just a dream when she's pulled into the dream. Uh, which leads to the, her constantly getting pulled into fucking Kristen's dreams, only for it to turn out that, like, eventually she's gonna have to sleep without pulling in the woman one time, and that's the time she fucking dies in her sleep. 
so for the beginning of the movie, it's just, you know, classic slasher setup that they don't really have anyone believe in what's going on. So obviously we get some victims at the beginning. Uh, so the first one is that aforementioned uh, meat marionette. Yep. Oh, scene is very, very unpleasant. So when we're first introduced to the character, we get the tidbit that he sleepwalks around the asylum. Because yep. for some reason, this asylum doesn't uh, lock the patients in the rooms. Well, this asylum is a little bit of a weird one because from the sounds of it, like the patients are committed against their will because they're all talking about how they don't want these treatments or anything like that. And like, maybe it was different when this movie was made, but normally you can't commit a child to a fucking asylum without either their or their parents' consent, because we certainly know they didn't have fucking Kristen's consent to put her in there. They um, have the mothers, though. The mother uh, committed her. Yeah. Well, the mother was explicitly saying that she doesn't want her daughter in there because she knows she's not actually committing suicide. She's, she's just trying to get paid, attention. Yeah. Apparently paid thousands on psychiatrists. <laughs> yeah, she has this explicit line to the doctors about how she doesn't want her daughter committed because her daughter's just trying to make a scene. Um... So I don't feel like they have the mother's consent either. I feel like they were just like, hey, your kid tried to commit suicide. She's locked up now, but also we're not locking any of the doors. Good night. It, it was just, it's a weird asylum, but that doesn't need to make sense. I want it to, but it doesn't <laughs> need to. Now, uh, I feel like, I know it's just going to be like, well, it's just dream logic. Anything fucking works. But the whole problem with uh, Philip, the guy who ends up being the meat puppet, his death is if you take damage in the dream, it comes in real life. So for example, later on when they got the kid that's kidnapped and he writes on his chest in the dream, come and get him. And it appears instantly in real time on his chest yep. in the real world. Oh, okay. Freddie wrote that there, but this one, this man doesn't actually have any of these problems appear on his physical body. No. Uh, sorry. Well, quick correction. Uh, it, what's written on his chest is "Come and get him, bitch." It's not just "Come oh, and get." Oh, I'm sorry. How could I sorry. forget the classic catchphrase of Freddy Krueger? <laughs> Keyword. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, uh, he doesn't have any of his injuries kind of presented to the point. Well, I think that's part of the key of Freddy's power is nothing ever manifests in the f- real world uh, where someone could see it as like evidence. Uh, because part of Freddy's power is that no one believe no one who isn't going through the Freddy situation believes that the Freddy situation is real. Yeah. So, also they, a weird thing from that scene where he's goes being through the fucking door. In his dreams, sleepwalking. Yeah, from the perspective of the uh, the person sitting at the desk who would have seen this happen if they are paying attention, he just walks straight through the closed door. Like, yeah, that was how? another slightly weird part. I can understand Freddy using his dreams to manipulate his sleepwalking to kind of walk him up there. The walking through a locked door, I don't fully understand that part. (laughs) Yeah, that's the thing. Freddy's powers are very just, if it sounds cool and you can explain it through dreams, it works. But then there's like other side of it. It's like, okay, he's a skeleton in the real world now. But at the same time, he is also phasing kids through doors. To be fair, some of the stuff that happens in this movie can get kind of explained away as we get re- the reveal at the end of, uh, towards the end of the movie during the climax, where he takes off his shirt and it shows child's faces sticking out of his chest, and he reveals that the more kids he kills, the more powerful he becomes. Yeah. So 
a lot of that stuff that doesn't make sense under his described power set could just be explained away as, well, that's one of the things he gained access to, the more kids he killed. Upon reaching level five... He became uh, a necromancer. Because, yeah, he now can manifest his skeleton in the real world or something. I don't know. Uh, it's just... Like, I don't like that explanation, but that is an explanation that can be used for literally any issue you have with this movie. Yeah. When he killed his seventh kid, he gained the ability to phase through physical objects, including when he's possessing a child. That child can also phase through physical objects. Makes it weird that he climbed him up to the roof instead of phasing him through the wall in his bedroom and causing him to jump off that way, but whatever. Yeah. <laughs> And made him dance on the windowsill for five minutes before finally jumping. <laughs> well, that's the thing. Well, that... Freddy, I feel like if Freddy wanted to just straight up just kill the kids, he could. Oh, yeah. But he enjoys like... his craft. Yeah, it's not just about the murder. It's about the fear he causes in the kids while he's setting up the murder. So for him, that fucking scene where he's on the fucking ledge up on the top... It's as much about causing the kid who's about to jump to feel fear because he knows he's about to jump and can't stop himself, as well as causing all the kids below to feel fear because they're about they know they're watching their friend who's about to die and they can't do anything about it. Yeah. Uh, now, one of the beautiful things about this franchise too is it melds the being asleep and awake so well together that sometimes it's even hard for like the person watching the movie to tell. Yeah, like the uh, first time they do the group therapy session where they all get pulled into a dream together, and all of them assume it didn't work at first until they realize what happened. But the the movie does like give you like subtle hints and things to like the fact that there's a dream or Freddy might be around. Yeah, because Freddy always likes to kind of give hints. I feel like uh, the one of the best ones I can think of is I believe it's at the end of the first movie. When it's like, oh, we defeated Freddy, yeah, everything's good, and then one of the girls gets into a car, and then the car is clearly Freddy Cougar colors. <laughs> You're like, I think I know where this is going. Yeah. He was the car, Matt. Yes, yes. She got inside of Freddy. Yeah. Which is slightly better than the guy who made it with sexy Freddy in this one. Yeah, that one was that unpleasant. I mean, it was pleasant up until it got up revealed until that, that was Freddy. I mean, I always say the same thing. If it's an 80s movie, you can always be sure of two things. Synth and boobs. Yeah, and we got yeah. both of those. So, good on them for sticking to the tropes. Uh, so, the second death is... Uh, let me see, what was her name? Jennifer, I uh, believe? Yes. Who's going to be a movie star, and she was using cigarettes to keep herself awake? Yeah. Yeah. That and, one uh, was a bit of a stretch for me. Sorry, go ahead, Matt. Yeah, because uh, after that death, where the meat marionette death, um, they decided now we're going to start locking them into their rooms so they can't leave at night. Yeah, so after that meat marionette fi fiasco, and they all get locked into the rooms, uh, Jennifer decides that... Uh, just for that one night anyway, she doesn't, just because of what happened to Philip, she doesn't want to go back to her room quite yet, and she wants to just try to stay awake just that one night. She can't handle her dreams. And, uh, yep, yeah, sure enough, Freddy decides to take this moment to strike at Jennifer. 
by shoving her head into a TV somehow. Well, this is another one of those uh, like subtle hints that there's a dream that kind of Keith was referencing earlier. Yeah. Because at the beginning of the movie, uh, we're or not at the beginning, but when we're first introduced to the asylum, uh, we get a line about how she was putting out cigarettes on her arm as a way of keeping herself awake. Yeah. Uh, and she asks one of the doctors when she can get her cigarette privileges back. And the doctor's like, not anytime soon. Uh, and then in this scene where she's sitting in front of the TV, we see one of the doctors check in on her. And then the next time, like the camera cuts back to her, she's smoking a cigarette and then putting it out on her arm, which is the sign that she's already fallen asleep because well, they you, wouldn't you have given her, her cigarettes back. You see her pick up an old used one from an ashtray and light it. Okay. I missed that part. Uh, I still think it's a sign because I don't think they would have given her a lighter either, but whatever. Now, actually, um, something I'm surprised we haven't mentioned up to this point, uh, this other doctor. Well, he's more of an orderly, but it's Lawrence Fishburne. It's oh, well, no, it's not. It, well, it is Morpheus, but it's not Lawrence Fishburne. The credits very clearly credit him as Larry Fishburne. Get his name right, motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I did see that, and it was one of those things where I was like, wait, what the fuck? Lawrence Fishburne's in this? And then I like went to the credits because I don't know. I guess I'm an old person and didn't think to like Google is Lawrence Fishburne in this. And so I was scrolling through the credits, and then I saw his name. I was like, "Wait, Larry Fishburne? What the fuck?" <laughs> um. So yeah, uh, he was credited as Larry Fishburne in this movie. Yeah, I saw him. Like, huh? Morpheus, neat. Best character. It's pretty, it's pretty cool. Uh, but yeah, this orderly, uh, played by Larry Fishburne, uh, is. Kind of like the cool guy orderly. Well, not nope. That was the wrong way to phrase it. Uh, he's the orderly who's kind of on the side of the doctors in that he refuses to believe that this is in any way real, uh, and is more than willing to fucking throw down with kids if that's what it takes to get them to be sedated or anything like that. But he also seems to actually care about the kids too. Like unlike the uh, like older lady doctor is like fuck y'all of you all. You're gonna do this. He's kind of like I can understand you're upset about this, but it's for your own good. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's the older lady is very much so like, this is your own fault for listening to rock music. Now go to sleep and be you killed. You premarital sex and drugs. Whereas, yeah, uh, Larry's character seems to be a lot more of the mindset of, like, yeah, I know where you're I care about these from, kids and want to do what's best for them. It's like, I know where you're coming from, but uh, we need to get you better. <laughs> well, his theory is all the acid that the parents took in the 60s is why they're this yeah. way. <laughs> yeah, it affected them while they were in the womb. I mean, he's not super far off because it is actions taken by the parents when they were not necessarily in the 60s, but it is specifically actions that were undertaken by all the parents, which is responsible for why they are the way they are today. So Larry's closest to being on the money of any of the people there. I mean, it is Morpheus. He's got a thing for pills. So yeah, uh, Jenny kills herself by shoving her head into the TV, according to the people who work at the hospital. Yeah, because... the, when they go and check on her, when uh, like they heard the sound, they heard something happen, right? Yeah, because she shoves her head into the TV, and that yeah, causes they, the electricity to flicker and loud sounds. Right, and they can go and look, and there she is dangling from the television. Like Which she had is, to have jumped. Yeah, it's yeah. one of those things where, like, she clearly—if your theory is correct—that she committed suicide there, she had to have taken like a running jump and just fucking headbutted the TV as hard as possible. Which and got it in one it's go. Weird that, it's weird that you're declaring that suicide because 
I mean, yeah, if that's what happened, that was very intentional. But if I was going to commit suicide, it wouldn't be by taking a running jump headfirst into a TV to try and fucking kill myself that and, way. And you've got to take a fairly significant run-up, too, because uh, unless that was a shot... Bleh, unless that was a shoddy TV, those TV screens back in the day were kind of tough to break. Oh, yeah, fucking CRT TVs were fucking durable. Well, so the thing I find amazing, too, is like not even like a little bit of suspicion falls onto any of the orderlies working there. So it's like, OK, Lawrence Fishburne or, you know, the guy that's trying to steal drugs to do them with one of the patients. Yep. Yeah, he's trying to steal drugs and also seduce a teenager, which is wrong on both counts. But also it was the 80s. So I guess that's just the way things were. But also nothing came of that plot point. It just came up once. And it, it was, was just to let us know that she was uh, a serious drug addict. Yeah. Yeah, she used to do a lot of drugs before, which presumably was a way of having dreamless sleep so she didn't have to deal with Freddy. Although, like, you get the impression, well, not even the impression, but it's made pretty clear that all of the bad behavior that these kids have is not due to moral failings of their own, no matter what the old woman thinks. It's entirely due to the fact that they're trying to find a way to uh, resolve the Freddy situation on their own because no one will believe them. Yep. Uh, the other funny thing about this too is uh, once this happens, this is kind of like the end of like the classic Freddy kills where everything gets explained, you know, in reality, and then it's up to the kids to try to figure out how to stop them. Because at this point, they're like, we're taking the fight to Freddy and uh, Neil goes off with Nancy's father to go get the corpse and bury it, and then give it like an actual. Well, we should before, before we should explain happens. real quick why Neil comes to the conclusion that he has to find Freddy's corpse. Because yeah, uh, Nancy at this point manages to convince Neil to humor her for just one little hypnosis session to try to get everyone into a dream, and it works. And so Neil finally sees that. There is something going on in their dreams, and it is the reason why they're being killed. Yeah, that, and also he's been talking to uh, an imaginary ghost nun who is also Freddy's mother. That's another thing that's been happening. Yes. What do you mean? I didn't see anybody. I mean, none? What are you talking about? There was none, none. No none. That was a stretch, and you fucking know it. I do. <laughs> But yeah, they have uh, but, this uh, fancy dream sequence uh, where they all find out about their powers, and uh, I just want to point out that Joey just kind of fucking wanders off and immediately doesn't suspect a thing. Well, yeah, Joey wanders off because the nurse he has a crush on starts flirting with him. Uh, the other thing I would like to point out is that no one fucking notices Joey wander off. Like, I guess initially they probably didn't think it was a dream, so when Joey just immediately got off up in the middle of group therapy and walked out of the room, no one thought about it. Like, oh, but, he knows this is just a waste of time. He's going back to his room or something. But I feel like if you live in a universe where Freddy Krueger haunts your dreams, the moment you realize you're in a dream with all your friends and one of your friends who you tried to go into the dream with isn't there with you, is the moment you start trying to track that friend the fuck down. Yep. Especially nope, they're with, uh... all just their shared dream dimming on loose. Yep. Uh, but no, they're all kind of cool with the fact that, like, it's not until they realize that Freddy is there that they're like, oh, wait a second. Where's Joey? It's like, no, fucking resolve that issue much earlier in this situation. 
Well, um, it, it was first they realize they're in a dream, then they're like, oh, what you dream about, you can do power, you have powers of your dreams in here. And then they all have their little, I'm strong, I can flip, I can do magic. Little I also, uh, he's actually montage. the wizard master, he doesn't do magic. Yes. I am the I wizard do, master. And I do then, love uh, how it's not... Then they realize that uh, Joey's gone, and when they try to open the door, they can't. But yeah, I do love how it's phrased, like, as Keith kind of suggested earlier. It's not that it's dream magic, so anything you can dream becomes a reality. Like, if you were to go to sleep right now and have a dream, you could easily have a dream where you can run super fast or a dream where you can fly. Like, it's not that kind of logic. It's that each one of these people has a specific power that they unlock when they're in their dreams. Uh, and this is something that they've always had a bit, the ability to do in their dreams to the point where the different people remember, like, when I'm in a dream, I can walk, and also I'm the wizard master. Or when I'm in a dream, I am very strong and can bend the legs on these chairs. Um, which, I have which, to point out one thing. So the guy's powers in the dream world is he's the wizard master and he can walk, which is the shittiest power to have when before he could, you know, before he became unable to walk. Because uh, yeah. yeah, if he I had imagine... these years since he was younger, it's like, I can walk double! Well, just imagine... Him, like, having the dreams before his accident and realizing he's the wizard master, but he never realizes he has a secret second power that's waiting to be unlocked until he loses the ability to walk. <laughs> oh, that's so dark. Uh, uh, almost as dark as the hallway he dies in. Yeah, that's kind of my problem with this movie, if I had to say there was one, is after they take the fight to Freddy... They just kind of kill off two characters like so quick without anything fun to it. Like I guess yeah. the girl dying, yeah. like hers makes sense. Like she has the little showdown with Freddy, and Freddy's like, "Oh no, let's do drugs instead," and he ends up killing her. But the Wizard Master fight had like this character was such a non non thing in this movie because he fights him in the hallway with the evil wheelchair, and then hits him with the lightning, and then. The worst move he does is that he runs right at Freddy, doing "I'm the Wizard Master," and the Freddy just fucking grabs him. Yeah, yep. that was some dumb shit, because we've already seen the Wizard Master has lightning powers and can shoot lightning from the entire length of the hallway, and then he's like, ha ha ha, I have that ability, now let me get in close range where you have the advantage. Uh, it was just a strong choice from him. Yeah. Also, gotta say, all of the deaths up until now, they had uh, a little bit more emphasis to them, what with the funerals held and the mourning. The rest of the deaths, no. No one cared. Well, the nope. best part is we see what happens after this entire dream, and it's a single funeral for Nancy. Oh, fuck what Nancy. Nancy? Yeah, it's a single funeral for Nancy, not any of the other fucking people who yep. died in this dream. And the person dream. who cared about Nancy the most just up and leaves in the middle of the funeral. Well, he, yep. he was summoned by Ghost Lady. Yeah, the Ghost Nun who uh, shows him that she was a ghost all along. It's the classic fucking Bruce Willis Sixth Sense ending. Sorry, spoiler alert mm. if anyone hasn't seen that movie yet. But the, the, the funny thing about this, too, is uh, Neil has definitely lost his medical license after this whole situation. Oh, yeah. Oh, 100%. He was absolutely... So, I can't say for sure, but he was probably blamed for that kid falling into a coma because he gave them the sleepless dream drug, and then that kid fell into a coma because of Freddy. Also... That kid, while he was in a coma, had the words "come and get him, bitch" carved into his chest. <laughs> How's that? What you I have to feel. 
I can't be certain, but I feel like that shit gets blamed on Nancy because she was in the room when it happened. And if anyone else saw her walk into the room, saw her walk out and then walked in and saw that carved into their chest, they would 100% believe it was Nancy who fucking did that shit. Also, uh, I'm pretty, Lawrence pretty sure Fish- that would leave some scares, some yep. very uh, intriguing scares. Also, Lawrence Fishburne definitely got fired after that night. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> two uh, more students and the first two was supposed to be on the premise that he let in found dead in that room. Yeah, uh, he was under explicit orders not to let her in. Uh, he then lets her in so long as she doesn't go to speak to Kristen. And then Kristen survives, but Nancy and two of the other students who she went to go say goodbye to all fucking die that night. Lawrence, sorry, Larry, is absolutely fucking fired after that shenanigans. Also, here's the thing to think about, too. This whole thing was to specifically save Joey. Uh, less so the Kristen, but mainly to go get Joey and help Kristen. But they'd lost more people than that they were going to save. Yeah. Yeah, they it, they legitimately lost three lives to save one. Yeah, because um, they went in to uh, save Joey, but also save Kristen because she was put into isolation and drugged, so she'd have no chance of Fending off Freddy by herself, I guess. I hate to be that guy, but... I mean, if Kristen did die, that would be some pretty solid evidence for Freddy being alive if she was left alone in a padded room. Yeah. And fucking, when they go to check on her the next day, she's presumably covered in fucking, like, scratch marks and has bled out in the middle of the night. That would be, like, solid, like, look, we were telling you, dream demon! Fucking stop sedating kids. It's only going to get them killed. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, there, there's another part in this movie that uh, I don't... Well, let, let's do the Freddy thing after the two students die. So the two other uh, kids die. Then the remaining three team up because Roland comes through a wall and then both Nancy and Kristen come through the doors and they have like, oh, what a fancy situation meeting you here. Then they go through the magic door when Roland starts egging on Freddy. Yeah, he challenges Freddy to uh, essentially 1v1 him under the overpass. And Freddy's like, oh, cool, here's a giant metal factory door. That'll lead somewhere ominous. Yeah, into the boiler room where they have their final showdown and they save Joey. Uh, th- this is actually a pretty interesting uh, like fight scene that goes on, but then he has to leave because his skeleton's getting attacked, so he decides to attack back. Yep. Yeah, this By is reanimating where, uh, a skeleton and then punching the fucking Doc, Neil Dr. in the Neil face. and the police officer, who is uh, uh, bad Nancy's dad? father. Uh, I call him bad dad, but like the thing that makes him a bad dad is the fact that he murdered a child murderer and now doesn't want to talk about it. So, like, in any universe other than the Freddy universe, he's not actually that bad of a dad. Uh, in the Freddy universe, he's a terrible father. Yeah. But yeah, th- that scene was weird. Because, like, in the dream, Freddy's like, uh, I gotta go, and disappears. And then cut to the uh, the vehicle scrapyard, where they're in the middle of trying to bury, or dig a hole to bury the skeleton. Uh, the skeleton just pops out of the bag that it's in. Amidst controlling all of the cars and stuff to flash their headlights and honk their horns and nonsense because apparently skeleton freddy can do that now yeah this is definitely a power that was not made apparent 
uh, aside from... So Freddy has a few times affected the real world. Uh, there's obviously, like, you know, the damage that he causes to the uh, kids ends up appearing. Mm-hmm. But this is, like, the full, like, not interacting with a person. Like, he's moving cars <laughs> and stuff. Yeah. Uh, the only other big thing I can think of, like, what the fuck was the time that apparently... Oh, here's another fun one for you, Matt. Apparently, there, there are rules for how Freddy works. And one of the rules is, apparently, if you're holding on to Freddy when you wake up, you bring Freddy with you into the real world. <laughs> I forgot about that. That's absolutely a power he has. <laughs> yep. Oh my god. But, like, the thing that I found the strangest about this scene in the junkyard was the fact that Freddy's skeleton killed the police officer, domed Dr. Neil in the head with a shovel, pushed him into the hole that they were digging, and then threw a couple shovels of dirt onto him, laughed, and then collapsed into a pile of bones. I mean, that's just classic Freddy. It was like, well, you could have gone all the way. No, that's down in his ledger book as resolved at this point. Yeah. (laughs) He's got kids to scream at from mirrors now. Until he gets screamed at, and then he gives up. I mean, he doesn't actually give up, but everyone's like, wow, Joey, you talked. We beat him. That that was what it took all along, was Joey talking, and now Freddy's defeated by Joey talking. See, even Nancy's father's here. See, it's all happy. We won. He screamed and broke the mirrors. Nancy's father's here, and more importantly, dead. This is the happy ending. Which, what? the only thing I think is like, come on, Nancy, you've been through this twice already, why are you falling for this now? Yeah, this is 100% on you, Nancy, for choosing to believe that Freddy is actually dead right now. He's like, oh no, oh, you're going in for the hug? Oh, there's Freddy's hand. Or, or say what you will, you might, stomach. say what you will, you might say Freddy is like, okay, he's a ghost that's haunting dreams, but there's been no president outside of Freddy that dead people go to dreamland, and yeah, <laughs> him no. showing up here, I'm dead, <laughs> makes no sense in the rules established. In a dreamland created by Freddy. Yeah, so the showdown is with the two final uh, final girls fighting Freddy. So obviously there can't be two final girls, so one of them has to die. Yep, and it's the Nancy one. Nancy, because Kristen has the powers that are going to be important for the next movie. And also uh, that. So one of the things I liked is the nun uh, who has been expositioning how to defeat uh, Freddy all along explicitly tells Neil that uh, in order to put Freddy to rest, uh, he needs to have a funeral where he is buried on hallowed ground. uh, And that is how they will resolve uh, Freddy and have him not come back anymore. I love Uh, their fix for that. And yeah, Neil's fucking resolution for how am I going to bury him on hallowed ground? Oh, I know. I'll bury him in the middle of a fucking salvage yard, but I'll just desecrate a church first so I have a cross and some holy water available to me. So I could power of Christ compels him real quick. Uh, before... a bottle of rum empties out the rum, uses it to scoop up the holy water from I mean, the church. You know, steals you know, a cross. You know, thinking about it, I never thought of it up to this point. Now that you bring it up, that holy water would have been mixed with rum, and that was a stolen crucifix. Maybe yeah. that just made Freddy stronger. <laughs> I mean, we weren't seeing him die. We were we seeing him sh- getting powered. The one thing we know for sure is it certainly didn't actually kill Freddy because there are more movies in this series. Yeah, we have five movies plus a new nightmare, and depending on if you want to count Freddy versus Jason. I mean, it is technically canonical, so I think we have to. 
Yeah, and New Nightmare is kind of a reboot that's not really a reboot. Oh, man, I have to tell you about this one. So New Nightmare uh, is Wes Craven's last time using uh, the, the Freddy Krueger character. And the plot of New Nightmare is essentially dream dimensions kind of break down. So the actress that plays Nancy comes back and defeats Freddy for good. But but she also finds a script from Wes Craven about the movie. And in the script, you can see Wes Craven has thanked her for finally killing Freddy. Oh, my God. Wes, Wes Craven's great. <laughs> you did it. Thank you. I mean, I wrote you doing it. But thank you. Okay. Oh, I might actually have to watch all the movies for this if this is how oh, I, I this like, movie turned out. Yeah, the, I think the first one is the only one you would have any difficulty with. Yeah, After that, they immediately get rid of the fucking horror vibes. Yeah, the, the first uh, Nightmare on Elm Street definitely did try to go down the classic slasher horror route. Uh, actually, fun fact, I, I believe it's Nancy's younger brother, but Nancy's younger brother who dies is... Uh, fuck, what's his name? Oh. Oh, uh, oh God. Johnny Depp. Yep. Yeah, I'm just going to double check that real quick to make sure I'm not talking to my ass. Yeah, no, it is John Depp. Yep. Oh, it's Nancy's boyfriend, not her brother. Oh. But yeah, Johnny Depp. Hmm. So there's there's a lot of big name actors when you go through this that kind of went. Isn't Jack Sparrow. <laughs> yeah, the biggest named actors I can think of. But yeah, it's definitely a really good franchise. Uh, the first one does have the horror elements, but you have to remember that. The first one had such an establishment of what Freddy was and the concept of the character that it kind of defined the rest of the movies, and that's why they're more in their like comical, not so much scary versions. Hmm. Yeah. Oh, by the way, there Sorry, was also Johnny uh, Depp's the one who gets uh, sucked into a bed and that later volcanoes blood from it. That's. Yeah. I was trying to remember what scene uh, I was remembering him from, so I had to do a quick Google. But yes, that's a hundred percent where he is. Or which character he is. <laughs> also, I do need to point out uh, one other thing that uh, there is actually one other thing I forgot to mention. There was a Nightmare on Elm Street television series called Freddy's Nightmares. I remember hearing about that. Which was pretty much just uh, kind of like Tales from the Crypt Creeper. Oh my god. But yeah, overall, oh. I think you would enjoy this franchise, Matt. I wonder what kinds of things Freddy would have nightmares about. <laughs> uh, mainly fire, because they don't necessarily establish that in the franchise oh, yeah. itself, but Freddy's weakness is fire. Yeah. Because he was burned I'm... alive. Yeah, I mean, that makes sense, considering. Yeah, his skin is fucked up because that's burn marks. He was burned. Yeah. Yeah, they do a good job of explaining that he was burned alive. They don't do a great job of explaining that that makes fire his weakness. In fact, I believe one of the movies, which is the one where they bring Freddy into the real world, ends with him being burnt alive. And then the main surviving character comes out of his corpse. Yep. Don't, don't worry about it. Uh, mm. Might as well. All right. Okay. I mean, just going by what uh, precedent this movie set, it's not too far from what could be expected. <laughs> So with all of that, what did you guys think of the movie? Uh, Peter, I believe you've watched most of the Nightmare on Elm Street stuff, right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, I had even seen this one before. It had been a long time to the point where I forgot I had seen it until I was watching through it. And I was like, oh, fuck, yeah, I have seen this before. Um, it, I enjoy it. I've, it's fairly nostalgic for me. Um, 
so I had a positive experience watching it. Yeah, th- like I said, this is probably my favorite Nightmare on Elm Street movie, even though it has some weaker points where Freddy doesn't get uh, a good shining moment with all of the kills. Yeah. Certainly was an enjoyable movie. Definitely not as scary as I originally thought it would be. Yeah, like I said, if you see Wes Craven listed on something and it's a horror movie, it's probably not as scary. Like he wrote, he's probably scream, not right? actually horror. Yeah, yeah. You, you like Scream, and Scream is also Wes Craven. Yeah. And do we have a question for the audience? Uh, so I got a question for the audience and us, obviously, and that is, what is your dream power? Because I think that's the only fair question to ask after this movie. That is fair. Um... Huh, what would my dream power be? I'm trying to think of the dreams I've had. Um, and if I have had... Uh, how do I phrase this? Recurring dreams where I have a similar ability, if I'm going to go super literal with this, about what my dream power was. Uh, and I don't. Now that I think... I, I've had recurring nightmares, but I didn't have special powers in them other than being a small child. Uh, and I don't think that counts as a power. Um, you can shrink. You're Ant-Man. You know what? Yeah, I'm going with the power of childhood. Uh, so my power in dreams is childlike wonderment. So there's that. That's what my power is. I've got to go with precognition. Because that way, if I'm ever in a horror movie scenario where... I might be tempted to wander off on my own or go searching for someone on my own. I can just think, what will happen to me if I actually do this? And then see, oh, that's a bad idea. I'll just stay with the group. Uh, See, you would think that power would work, but almost any example of someone with the ability of precognition in a horror movie, they end up dying fucking just as certainly as everyone else in the movie. Uh, Oh, yeah. Classic example. The fucking uh, Final Destination movies are all about people who have a precognition about death and then subsequently die in the way they precogged, being unable to do anything to stop themselves from dying. Yeah, and I mean, just like that quote from Kung Fu Panda, one often meets their fate on the path they take to avoid it. So, uh, yeah. yeah. I was thinking about it, and I think my in-dream superpower is that I am unfazed by not having pants. Ooh. See, I would say that's my dream power, but that's just my actual real life power. <laughs> no, that's specifically my dream power. Because I, I definitely have those dreams where it's like, oh no, I forgot my pants. And it just does not bug me whatsoever. Nice. I like that. <laughs> so Freddie will be there. It's like, huh, looks like you forgot your pants. Time to die. I'm like, actually, this feels nice. And he's like, oh. No, you know what? Now that I think about it, I fucking love that power because it's very in line with some of the other powers uh, that were introduced in this movie, like wears a lot of leather or can walk. So the power of unfazed by not wearing pants, perfectly on board with that being a power in the Dream Warriors uh, movie universe. Power of actually being able to run and not trip. That's just overpowered, Matt. Even in my actual dreams, I feel like I'm running in fucking molasses when I'm running, so... That's yeah. that's not a real thing that exists, Matt. I I don't agree with you. <laughs> so yeah, uh, make sure to send in uh, what your dream power is uh, to the email 
or you can even comment it on our question. We put that up on Instagram, of course. Uh, so let's address what our last week's ep- uh, episode, or not last week, but last episode's question was. And so that, that is, one was the one where we were asking if the signal from the rings was sent to anyone in particular, right? Yeah. Do you think who do you think is on the other end of the beacon from the uh, ten rings in the Shang Chi movie? Can I take a guess as to what someone answered? Sure. Did at least one of our viewers uh, guess that the signal was going out to Mothman? That is correct. Ah, what do you know? Uh, Hana J underscore thirteen did say Mothman, and then Tachi underscore Camargo said Mephisto. Honestly, That's at this point, I, I would prefer it be sent out to Mothman to Mephisto. Uh, now, Mephisto I do wanna... can only be a letdown in the MCU at this point. I, I do want to point out this is just for you people that. Uh, listen to the podcast and subscribe to Instagram, but uh, there's a secret uh, sixth character in the background of the image. If you look really closely, it's not Mephisto. I can't say either way. I'm just saying there's a secret sixth character on that image. It might be moon Knight. Could you fucking imagine if that was how they introduced moon Knight? <laughs> so well, the- does anyone have any recommendations? Uh, yeah, I guess I can go first. Uh, see, this is the weird thing is I know we did a similar thing last year, so I'm unsure of whether or not I recommended this previously. And if I did, then I'm sorry. Um, but what I want to recommend is the Shaun of the Dead movie, because that's another one of those like pseudo horror films that plays on a lot of the tropes of horror films, uh, which follows uh, Simon Pegg. And uh, Nick Frost as two best friends during a zombie apocalypse. Uh, and also how they kind of just want to go to the pub and drink a beer. Uh, directed by Edgar Wright. So it's got a lot of his kind of charm and style to it. I don't know. It's a very enjoyable zombie apocalypse movie. Hmm. Another one of those comedic horror films. And the recommendation I bring to the table is a movie by Stephen King. Ooh. A movie by the title of Maximum Overdrive. <laughs> it I, it, I it definitely want, meets I, the standards of this one, although I don't think Maximum Overdrive was supposed to be that goofy because I think no, no, definitely not. Yeah. Have you seen the movie, Peter? I have. I okay. also don't know that I would describe it as intentionally comedic or accidentally comedic. Given the tags horror sci-fi, it's a movie where the Earth, I guess, passes through the trail, the tail of a comet, and the radiation created by said comet happens to affect all forms of electronics and machinery on Earth, essentially making them become sentient and kill everyone that they come across. Until and they that's get fuel. Pretty much it. And yeah. And that's pretty much the movie. So funny enough, I actually I'm also going to be recommending a, a Stephen King movie, but it's not one that Stephen King had a hand in himself, and that is The Shining. Oh, The okay. Shining's another great movie. Yeah, I, I feel like The Shining's not as goofy as this one is, but it definitely, if I had to like think of like a movie that puts the level of like severity of like how Freddy Krueger is supposed to be interpreted, The Shining's like atmosphere definitely encumbers that and gives like kind of the same vibes as you would expect. If that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, it's about a kid with psychic powers uh, called The Shine. And him and his... uh, 
Well, uh, Peter, give me a, a dad recommendation for this one. Uh, for Shining? Yeah, because you already you have Bad Dad, and then you had like Rad Dad. Uh, for oh, right, Shang Chi. Uh, well, what dad is this dad? I see the unfortunate part is I don't think I can uh, come up with a word that rhymes with bad unless I spend way too long thinking about it. Uh, so I'm just going to call it overworked dad is <laughs> how I'm choosing to describe it. Yeah, but with the overworked dad who then goes crazy and goes tell him to kill his family. Yeah. There's also a giant shadow manta ray, but don't worry about it. Okay, I'll take your word for it. So with that, that bling brings our episode up to a close. So thank you for listening. Make sure to write review uh, and let people know about the podcast. Word of mouth definitely helps spread out the word. Uh, on top of that, if you'd like to send us an email, you can reach us at whatismypodcastabout at gmail.com, spelt as words normally are. And on top of that, follow us at YouTube and Instagram. And finally, looking for the next spooky episode. Uh, you guys have any yeah. ideas? Yeah, you can. I guess you can tune in in another two weeks' time when I guess uh, X is gonna give it to you.